Let's turn to Second uh, Corinthians chapter four. Second Corinthians chapter four. If you want to give this a title, you can call it the Spirit of Faith. The Spirit of Faith. The Spirit of Faith. Mm -hmm. And in verse 13, 2 Corinthians 4.13, it says, We having the same Spirit of Faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. Faith is a precious, valuable, and rare thing. God is not laying up uh, faith for the uninterested or the unappreciative who are just going to stumble over it. Uh, faith is not hidden from us. It's hidden for us. But the only ones who find it are the ones who are looking for it. You know, in uh, Matthew 13, 46, Jesus said uh, he compared the kingdom of God to a merchant who went out looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great price, he went and sold all that he had to buy it. The ones who find faith are the ones who are able to discern that it is something rare, something precious, and something valuable, and they will not relinquish it. Uh, you know, there are people who have spent years searching for hidden treasure. They've spent years searching for sunken ships uh, with gold. And even with the latest technology, it still involves work, and time and energy and uh, an investment of money as well. No, no one ever stumbled up on hidden treasure. No one ever stumbled up on a sunken ship that was laden with gold. If they found a sunken ship laden with gold, they were looking for it. They were searching for it. And when they, they found it, it was worth all the years that they spent looking for it. And uh, you know they had times where they were discouraged and they wanted to give up. You know there were people telling, telling them, well, I tried that. I tried looking for that ship and, and uh, we didn't find it. You might as well give up. Uh, so the devil will create circumstances for the purpose of convincing you to give up. Give up, give up. But for us, believers, we, we with the spirit of faith, in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, it says, Thanks be to God who gives us the victory as conquerors through our Lord Jesus Christ. We having the same spirit of faith. What does Paul mean by the spirit of faith. Well, there are a couple of ways we can look at this. You've heard of the phrase team spirit or school spirit. 
Uh, it describes a person or a team who has a winning attitude, an attitude of victory, an attitude of determination and courage. Um, you know, you, you won't ever hear a, a team, uh, you know, go out, they go out to the game or the match and they look on the other side and see the opposite team and say, whoa, they got some big people, they got some tall girls. Uh, how, how do we get out of this? Maybe they'll call the game off and we won't have to go play them. No, you never hear, you never hear that kind of attitude. That's not the spirit of faith. That's not a team spirit. That's not the winning spirit. But you say, come on, we can go get them. We can, we can take them. It doesn't matter how big they are. Don't look at their size. We can, we can do this. We've been waiting all week for this match. We've been waiting all year for this match. These are our rivals. Uh, we, we can beat them. We've been waiting all year for them. We're not yes. looking for a way out. Yeah. We don't want the game canceled. We're not afraid of them. That's the team spirit. That's the school spirit. Yeah. That's the spirit of faith. It's a quality of courage and determination and overcoming, fighting, conquering attitude. It's a never give up attitude. And in, uh, if you back up there in 2 Corinthians 4, to verse 8 and 9, he describes the spirit of faith. He says, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. So Paul admitted, uh, he wasn't denying the facts. He admitted that uh, there were problems, that there, were, there was trouble, but <laughs> he had the spirit of faith. We, we are not distressed. We are not cast down. We are not forsaken. So we can go through trouble and we can have trouble around us, but we don't have to be distressed. We don't have to be depressed about it. We can have this, the same spirit of faith. Uh, I'm going to read this from the Passion Translation. It says, Though we experience every kind of pressure, we are not crushed. At times, we don't know what to do. But quitting is not an option. We are persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but not out. <laughs> I like that. We may get knocked down, but not out. The spirit of faith has a ring of victory in it, doesn't it? So the same spirit of faith could also mean uh, you know, faith has different facets to it. Another way of looking at the spirit of faith, we could say we have the same spirit of faith that Abraham had when he had no children. But he looked up at the stars, and God said, Count the stars, so shall your seed be. 
We have the same spirit of faith Abraham had when he offered up Isaac. And he said to those young men that went with him up, that, up to that mountain, he, said, he turned around to the young men and he said, wait here, the boy and I will be back. Now that takes some faith. Yes. That takes some faith. Turn around to the boys and say, we'll be back, both of us will be back. Me and the boy will be back. The Bible says we have the same spirit of faith. We have the same spirit of faith that Abel had when he brought the best offering. We have the same spirit of faith Noah had when he uh, built a boat and it had never rained. They didn't even know what rain was. And for 70 years, people mocked him and persecuted him and laughed at him for building a boat when they had never seen rain. And, and he was telling them, it's going to rain. There's yeah. going to be a flood, and you better, yeah. you better get prepared. Well, Noah did prepare. Yes. He prepared that boat for the saving of his family. And he did it uh, 70 years bef before there was any rain. All that time, week after week, month after month, year after year, he kept preparing. He kept building. Uh, he kept uh, obeying God, even in the midst of people laughing at him and mocking him and making fun of him. Uh, all of these people, they experienced every kind of pressure, but quitting was not an option. And folks, it's not an option for us either. It's not an option for us either. Now, let's turn over to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. And in verse 35, um, Hebrews 10.35 says, Therefore, do not cast away your confidence or your faith, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Now the just shall live by faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. So, What's the opposite of faith? Drawing back. The opposite of faith is drawing back. Verse 39, but we are not of those who draw back to destruction. We, us people of faith, us word believers, we are not of those who draw back to destruction, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. We have the same spirit of faith, courageous, conquering, overcoming, actively resisting defeat. So you can write this down. The spirit of faith is the spirit of victory. The spirit of faith is the spirit of victory, the spirit of overcoming. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore I have I spoken. 
we also believe and therefore speak. Now, you notice uh, that there are three words here that occur together in this verse. Faith, believe, and speak. So, faith involves believing and speaking. Not just believing, but believing and speaking. This is why we speak faith over our tithes and offerings. We speak and call for things promised us in the word. When we do that, we're releasing our faith. Over in James 2, it says, Faith without works or corresponding action is dead faith. And one of the ways, there are multiple ways, but one of the ways that we put corresponding action to our faith and what we believe is by speaking it is by saying it. When we do that, we're acting. That's one of the ways we act on our faith. So, what does faith say? How does faith speak? Well, let's turn over to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 2. 10. Verse 6. Verse 10, 2 verse 10. The, the uh, uh, Romans 10, 6. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. So notice uh, in this verse again, we find faith and speaking used together again in the same verse. So that tells us speaking words is part of the operation of faith. So first of all, he tells us uh, what faith would not say. Uh, he goes on here. Um, say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. So he says faith would not say, who will send into heaven to bring Christ down? In other words, uh, faith doesn't try to get God to come down here and do something. Faith doesn't beg God to come down here and save somebody. Faith doesn't beg God to come down here and heal somebody. No, faith does not say, you know, I believe if Jesus walked in the room right now, he would heal me or he would save me. No, faith does not beg God to come down here and do something. Romans 12, 3 says that every man, God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. So we have a measure of the same faith that God has. And we all have a measure of that same faith. So he goes on to say, faith also would not say this either. Who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ up again from the dead. So faith would not say, uh, uh, Jesus has already, you know, Jesus has already come to the earth once. Uh, it, It is true, Jesus has come to the earth once. He came and went to the cross once. Our sin was put on him once. 
He became poor once on the cross. Um, he's already descended into the deep. He's already gone into hell and take the punishment for our sin in our place. He's already ascended on high, seated at the right hand of God, interceding for us. So the righteousness that is by faith does not say we got to get God to come down here and do something. Uh, verse 8, what, but what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. This verse tells us faith must be in two places, in your heart and in your mouth. Not just in your heart, not just in your mouth. It's got to be in both places. He said, you don't need Jesus to come down and do anything else. He's already gone to the cross. He's already gone into hell and taken the punishment for your sin, your salvation, your healing, your answer, your money. It's as close to you as the word of God in your heart and in your mouth. It's as close to you as the word of God in your heart and in your mouth. Verse 9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So when you got born again, you had to open your mouth and say something. Yes. You know, it, uh, it, it wasn't, you know, yes. uh, it wasn't silent, you know. Yes. You, we had to say something in order to receive the new birth. But with millions yes. of Christians, yes. um, when they get born again, that's the end of their faith. They never use their faith again for anything. They use their faith to believe and, and uh, you know that Jesus died on the cross for their sin and he's forgiven them and that they believe he's been raised from the dead and they believe they'll go to heaven and they ask him into their heart but then they never act on their faith again ever they just think well that's it i got my ticket to heaven and then we just trudge along in this life uh just doing the best we can and unfortunately uh you know they just leave everything else up to god anything else that any, any other needs they have well if god wants to do it he'll do it uh so they just leave it everything else up to god no, the same way we enter the kingdom is the same way we operate in the kingdom. We believe in our heart and we speak with our mouth. In Mark eleven twenty three, Jesus said, Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will happen, he will have it. So when talking about Jesus here is talking about faith in God. He used the word saying and believing connected with having. Saying and believing are connected with having. Millions of Christians don't believe this. They don't believe they have to receive. They don't believe they have to exercise 
any corresponding action by speaking. They just believe it's all up to God. If God wants me to have it, I'll have it. Um, you know, if, if somebody gets healed, they believe it's God's will. If somebody doesn't get healed, they believe it was not God's will. They just leave it all up to God. And Jesus said, we're supposed to stand in front of that problem and speak to it and command it to leave. Ephesians 5.1 says, we are to imitate God. Jesus exercised his dominion on the earth. He spoke the desired end result to a fig tree. He, he said, nobody eat fruit again of you forever. He spoke to it. He spoke the desired end result. He didn't ask God to do it. He spoke to it. Whether someone, now that tree was as good as dead right then. When Jesus said, no man eat fruit of you again forever, that tree was as good as dead. Nothing outwardly happened to that tree. By all outward appearances, nothing happened to that tree. But that tree was as good as dead, whether somebody came along with a shovel and dug it up, or whether lightning struck it, regardless of how that tree was going to wither up or, or be removed, that tree was as good as dead when Jesus spoke those words. And the next day when they came back by that tree and Peter called Jesus' attention to it, he didn't even go look at it. He knew it was dead. He knew it had dried up. He knew it had obeyed him. He didn't even go look at it. Jesus said, hey, Peter, not only can you do what I did to this fig tree, you see that mountain over there? Speak to it. Speak to it. It will obey you. Believe it in your heart. Believe what you say comes to pass. It will obey you. Jesus fully expected them to do what he did. He fully expected them to do. He said that mountain is even bigger than this tree. But if you speak to that mountain, in faith, believe and doubt not in your heart. It will obey you. Yeah. John 14, 12, Jesus went on to say, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, he shall do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Jesus spoke to the weather. He spoke to fevers. He spoke to demons. And they obeyed him. Now, a lot of Christians today would say, yeah, Barb, but that was Jesus, and he was the Son of God, and so forth. Well, he was the Son of God. But he came to earth and operated here as a man filled with the Holy Spirit. And he fully expected us to do the same thing that he did. It's obvious he expected the disciples to, to imitate him. He has given us his name, his authority, the same faith to imitate him, and he said we would get the same results. So there's no difference if Jesus walked into the room and said to you, by my stripes you were healed, and you saying, by his stripes, I was healed. There's no difference. There's no difference. 
In 1 John 5 verse 1, it says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Because we are born of God, we have the same spiritual DNA and the same faith that God has. Now, we may not be as developed in our faith in some areas uh, as Jesus was, but our faith can grow. Yes. It can be developed. Can, yes. It can. Our faith can grow and be developed. Yes. So, um, uh, we don't have a different kind of faith. We have the same spirit of faith Jesus had. Uh, Jesus would tell people to do things that they could not do. Right. He spoke to a paralyzed man in Luke 5:24 and said, "Get up, take up your bed and walk and go home." He spoke to the man with the withered hand, "Stretch forth your hand." And it was restored like the other. Now, he asked these people to do something that they could not previously do. When he said, get up, take your mat, and go home, when he said, stretch forth your hand, they must have believed his words in order to, to do what they had not been previously able to yeah. do. I heard one minister say, when you have stretched your faith as far as it will go, on the other end, you will meet the power of God. When you have stretched your faith as far as it will go, when you come to the end of your faith, yes. you will meet the power of God. So we, we have a, a, a part. At the wedding of Cana, when they ran out of wine, what did Jesus say to the servants? Fill up the water pots with water. Fill up the water pots with water. Now, we've always um, emphasized uh, Jesus in this story and his instructions, uh, you know, at this wedding and, and his involvement and so forth. He was just there as a guest, uh, really. But we've, we've, also made, we've also emphasized uh, what Jesus said, but we've never thought much about the faith of those servants. Those servants had to have faith to go fill up pots with water because they, they had run out of wine. They hadn't run out of water. They had run out of wine, and Jesus said, fill up the water pots with water. Now, this, this wasn't like today where you would just take a, a container and go to the kitchen sink and turn the water tap on and fill it up. These, I think these, uh, there were, what, seven or eight of these pots, and I think they held about eight gallons each or something. Uh, they would have they had to take buckets and go to a well somewhere, whether the well was outside the back door or the well may have been 50 yards down the street. But they had to take buckets, walk to the well, lower the buckets down, fill them up, draw them back up, and carry these buckets back and forth until they filled up all those water pots. 
that, that could have taken a couple of hours to do. It could have taken them a couple of hours to do that. And you know, the whole time they're walking back and forth with these buckets to the well and back to the house, they're thinking, why are we doing this? <laughs> we're, we're wasting our time. We didn't run out of water. We run out of wine. But what had Mary said to them already? Whatever he tells you to do, do it. This is the key to miracles. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. And those servants had faith to obey him and go fill up those water pots. What if they hadn't? What if they hadn't obeyed him? There wouldn't have been any miracle that day. There would have, wouldn't have been any more wine. At the tomb of Lazarus, Jesus said, roll the stone away. Yes. Now, in a way, I think it took more faith to say, roll the stone away, than it did to say, Lazarus, come forth. Yes. He, Jesus walked up to that tomb, and he said to the men, roll the stone away. Now, those men had to have faith to go roll that stone away. We, we don't think about them. But, but those men had to have faith in the words of Jesus that he was going to do something here. In Hebrews chapter 3 and 4, it talks about how God was not pleased with the first generation of Israelites that came out of Egypt. Uh, instead of going into the promised land, we, we know that story, instead of going in and possessing it, they drew back in fear and unbelief. And this is a reference to Numbers uh, chapters 13 and 14. So let's just um, go over there for a moment. Uh, Numbers chapter 13, verse uh, 27. You know, we know the, that uh, the 12 leaders of the tribes were sent out to survey the land. They all went to the same location, but they came back with two different opinions about what they should do. In Numbers 13, 27, uh, the skeptics and the, and the doubters uh, who were ready to draw back, they said, We came into the land, whether thou sentest us, and surely it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, but the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. Verse 30, and Caleb stilled the people before Moses. Why did, why did Caleb have to still the uh, people? Because they had just heard... Uh, a negative report. They had just heard a report of um, doubt and unbelief and fear. Yeah. And now they're getting agitated. Mm -hmm. and, and they're beginning to move over into unbelief now. Yeah. So Caleb had to still the people mm -hmm. and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Yeah. That is the spirit of faith. Yes. 
That is a spirit of faith. Caleb didn't draw back. He said, yes, they are obstacles, but God is with us. We are well able to overcome. He was ready to step out and go. And then let's go to uh, chapter 14, verse 8. He said, Caleb said, if the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Verse 9, only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Verse 10, but all the congregation bade stone them with stones. Caleb came back with the spirit of faith. He said, they're bred for us. Their defense has departed. God is with us. There's no reason to draw back. He's talking faith. And, and what response did he get? The people were ready to stone him. Now the lesson here is this. People who are in unbelief cannot tolerate the presence of faith. People who are in unbelief cannot tolerate being around people talking faith. It makes them angry and agitated. And you can see that's exactly what happened here. Now, on a personal level, I experienced some of this within the past week. I was with someone else uh, and they had sent some scriptures to someone uh, in order to encourage them and, and try to encourage them to get on the words, start speaking the word, just baby steps, you know, start speaking the word, start getting the word in your heart uh, so that the word could begin to bring them out of their situation. Uh, but boy, did we ever stir up some religious spirits. Did we ever stir up some religious spirits? And we realized pretty quickly that, that the wall went up, you know? The countenance on their face, face changed. Yeah. And after about 15 or 20 minutes, they got up and left the room, went upstairs pouting. The husband was left there, and uh, it was already evident he was full of religious tradition and and religious spirits. Uh, And he basically threw us out of the house. When he saw she wasn't going to come back downstairs, he basically threw us out of the house. So uh, unbelief cannot tolerate hearing faith. But I'll tell you something else. People of faith also cannot tolerate being around people of unbelief either. We don't like being around people talking unbelief. When we hear it, we just dismiss ourselves politely, don't we? Amen. Let's continue here. Verse 24. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him. What spirit did Caleb have? The spirit of faith. 
The spirit Caleb has had was the spirit of faith. The spirit of faith says we are well able to overcome. They are bred for us. Their defense has departed. Let's go. Let's possess it. The Lord is with us. Because my servant uh, Caleb has another spirit with him and have followed me fully, him will I bring into the land, whereinto he went, and his seed shall possess it. Now, you know the story. Forty-five years went by waiting to enter the promised land. And Caleb and Joshua would sit around the campfire month after month, year after year, and talk about the abundant land of, of Canaan that they had been, what they had seen. They would reminisce about the, the abundance and the goodness of the land and how God wanted to bless them. And, and they, they would remember, uh, you remember when we went over to that valley and there was this clear stream of beautiful water running through there and the, the soil was perfect, and, and it, it, that would be perfect to grow this crop, and it'd be perfect to grow that crop, and so forth. And they would sit around the campfire for 45 years and reminisce about the abundance that they had gone to see. To, uh, to see. And now in uh, uh, Joshua 14, now, Caleb is 85 years old. And in verse 11, this is what he says. As yet, I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain, Give me that mountain. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. He is now 85 years old. He never drew back. In, those 40, in that 45 years of delay, waiting to go into the promised land, he still had the spirit of faith. He never relinquished that spirit of faith. Amen. He never relinquished no. his courageous, overcoming, Amen. victorious Amen. attitude. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Yes. Uh, let's go over to 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17. What about David? 1 Samuel 17. This is, uh, in 1 Samuel 17, we have the showdown between David and Goliath in the valley of Elah. And uh, just to summarize here, uh, the army of Israel was camped on one mountain here, and the army of the Philistines were camped on the opposite mountain, and in between was a valley. And every day Goliath would come out and he would challenge a man from Israel to come out and fight with him. Now he was really issuing a challenge to King Saul. 
But he never mentioned his name. But Saul's the one he really, because Saul was the head of the uh, army of Israel. So he was really issuing a challenge, not really to just any man. He was really issuing a challenge to Saul. But Saul was nowhere to be found. Saul was nowhere in sight. He was way back in the tent, way back there, about a mile away. That's where Saul was. He was hiding out in his tent. Goliath was a big man with a big mouth. And every day he would come out into this valley and he would insult the army of Israel. He would insult God. Uh, He would insult them. He would say, you're all a bunch of cowards. Your mother's nothing but a blankety blank, blank, blank. And every day he would come out there insulting them. And and, And every day the army of Israel would run back in their holes. And this went on for six weeks. What's Israel doing? They're drawing back. Do we see the spirit of faith in the army of Israel? No. They're doing the opposite. They're drawing back. They're drawing back in fear. They're running backwards. They're terrified. They're discouraged. And they're ashamed. So in the midst of this, David's father sends him out to this valley of Elah. He sends him with food to take to his brothers and to get a report on what's happening. And when David turns up out here at what is supposed to be a battle, he sees that there's no battle taking place at all. What he sees is Israel is getting insulted and embarrassed and nothing is happening. So um, let's pick up the story in verse uh, 32 here. But, but when David walked up and he saw this scene of what's happening, uh, he was shocked. He said, this, this man has no covenant with God. He's an uncircumcised Philistine. Why are you running from him? Why are you allowing him to insult our God? He's insulting our God, and you're not opening your mouth. You're doing nothing. You're running backwards. How, how can you let this man insult and blaspheme our God? So he comes up out here in verse 32. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth and he a man of war from his youth. In other words, you got no experience, he's got a lot of experience. And David said to Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. So here David is recalling his victories. He's recalling his past victories. He didn't start out, this is not his first time around. Uh, He started out with with something smaller, the bear and the lion. He didn't start out with a 10-foot tall man. He started out with with, uh, using his faith on something small. And this is where some Christians miss it. 
they, they don't begin to exercise their faith on small things. They wait till they've got some humongous uh, face, something that they're facing, and then they start trying to believe God and exercise their faith. David's saying, I'm not afraid of him. I've already killed a bear and a lion. Uh, and and he's, he's talking his past victories. And the more he talked it, the more his faith and confidence grew. Verse 35, he says, And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. He's talking his past victories. And he's putting himself in remembrance how God has been faithful before. God's already helped him uh, defeat a bear and a lion. He's, he has faith God is going to be with him to deliver, uh, deliver him and give this victory to him with Goliath. And as he talks, the anointing of God is getting stronger and stronger upon him. You can hear it in his voice as he continues to talk his victories. Verse 36, thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. Verse 37, David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, if it be his will, he will deliver me today. Is that what he said? No. He didn't say if it be God's will, he'll deliver me. He said, no, he will deliver me. He will deliver me out of this man's hand. He will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. Not maybe, not might, not could, not one day, not in his timing. He will deliver me. Faith is persuaded. Faith is persuaded. David is persuaded that God will deliver this Philistine into his hand. Verse 44. And the Philistine said to David, now Goliath's talking back to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beast of the field. Folks, the mountain will talk to you. The mountain will talk to you. The problem will talk to you. The problem will, the mountain will say, you won't get healed this time. You may have been healed before, but not this time. And if it were going to happen, you know it would have already happened by now. And you can forget that money because it's not coming. The mountain will talk to you. Now at verse 45, now David's going to talk back to the mountain. When the mountain talks to you, you've got to talk back to the mountain. Verse 45, right here is where David won this fight. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. In other words, you're coming at me with natural weapons. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day, 
the Lord will deliver you into my hands. He didn't say someday. He didn't say one day. He didn't say in God's timing he'll deliver me. He said this day. Amen. He said this day. Yes. Now that's where you upset a lot of yes. Christians as well. Yes. You can't say God will do that. Yes. You can't say this day. It, don't you know it's in God's timing? Whenever it's God's timing, he'll do it. No, faith is now. Faith is now. No, exactly. David said no, this day yes. he will, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. The, the actual Hebrew says the Lord will shut you up. The actual Hebrew says the Lord will shut you up. And he continues to say, I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. What's he doing? He's telling this man what he's going to do to him. He's telling this man, he's speaking to the mountain. He's telling it what he's going to do. I will smite thee, I will take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day, not someday, this day into the fowls of the air, and to the wild beast of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. He said, I'm not only going to take your head off, I'm going to whip the whole bunch of you, and I'm going to feed all your carcasses to the birds of the air this day. Folks, if that's not the spirit of faith, I don't know what is. That is the spirit of faith. It's the spirit of victory. It's the spirit of overcoming. He said it with his mouth, and he acted on it. Verse 48, And it came to pass, when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to David, that David drew back and he, he ran back. He ran back to the trench. Is that what it says? When Goliath what, ran, came toward David, does it say he drew back and ran, ran back to the trenches? No. It says, when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to David, David hasted and ran toward the army of the Philistines. He ran to meet Goliath. Here is a, a teenager running toward a 10 foot tall man that weighs 400 pounds. An experienced warrior. David ran at him in faith. He didn't draw back. He didn't sneak up behind the bushes. He ran at him. Verse 50. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling. That was his faith words. The sling represents his faith words. He hurled, he hurled that rock at Goliath. He hurled his words of faith at him. And with a stone, that was the word. That was the word, the scriptures. He uh, prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Verse 51, Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword, took Goliath's sword, took, his, took Goliath's own weapon 
and cut his head off with it. David took Goliath's own weapon and cut his head off with it. So when, so when David hurled that stone, he knocked him down. But he was going to make sure this, this dude doesn't get up. He cut his head off to make sure Goliath was not going to get up. And folks, when you knock the devil down, you got to cut his head off and make sure that he can't get back up again with a counterattack. Amen? Finish the work. Don't just knock him down. Cut his head off. Don't let him get back up. Amen? Hallelujah. So we see all these people with the spirit of faith. Abel didn't draw back when he brought the best offering. Abraham didn't draw back when he obeyed God and left his family and stepped out for an unknown land. Noah didn't draw back during 70 years of being laughed at, building a boat, uh, preparing for the salvation of his family. David didn't draw back when he saw Goliath. Caleb didn't draw back when he saw the walled cities and the giants in the land. Paul didn't draw back when he built churches and was dealing with false teachers and factions and all the problems within the churches. He didn't draw back when faced with death threats and imprisonment. Jesus didn't draw back. Boy, this is a big one, folks. Jesus didn't draw back in the Garden of Gethsemane when he sweated blood, submitting his will to God's will. If, if, don't you know he was tempted? We know he was tempted to draw back. He sweated blood. He sweated blood, submitting his will to God's will. But praise God he didn't do it. Amen? Praise God he didn't do it. So, let's say this together. We do not draw back. We live by faith. And it has a great recompense of reward. It has a great recompense of reward. We having the same spirit of faith. Amen. Amen. Amen.